Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. San Antonio Sports Star Audio Vault is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, The Saturday Morning Hangover. San Antonio, and welcome into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, and now on 94.1 FM. I am James Pledger. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Pledger. I am joined by my guy Jack Thompson. Yo yo at Jack underscore Thompson thirty three on Twitter. Welcome into your hangover without the headache. That's right. We are the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star. And man, I feel like summer is here, Jack. Oh yeah, me too. You feel me? it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel it. Like last weekend, Memorial Day weekend, spent. All of it out by the pool. Got a nice little tan going. Nice. I, I feel like summer is here, partly because Top Gun Maverick. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't seen it yet. You haven't? I, hopefully. I think me and my girl might go see it today. So You and I are going to watch it today? Yeah, I think we might go see it today if we got time. But we're, we've been planning on seeing it. We just, we've been so busy lately. We just haven't had the time. I mean, I understand being busy, but... This was the first movie in a while that was non-comic book related that I have genuinely been excited for. And I was I was tepid going into it because the reviews were so overwhelmingly positive. And with those positive reviews, I was scared mm -hmm. because it was like there's no way it could be this good. It yeah. actually lives up to it. Yeah, I've heard it's pretty incredible. It's phenomenal. And dare I say it, it's been a few years since COVID. And even before that, it felt like it had kind of gone away. But I think the summer blockbuster is back, Jack. Oh, yeah. I think it's definitely back. I look at the summer blockbuster and what in it entails. Mm -hmm. We've got more than more than just the comic book movies. Of course, there's Thor: Love and Thunder. It started off with Multiverse of Madness, but you have Top Gun: Maverick. Yep. Jurassic World Dominion comes out next week. Yep. There's this movie with Brad Pitt called Bullet Train that looks incredible. I haven't seen any previews for that. I don't have to look it up. It it looks very yeah. very cool. Um, but yeah, there is more than just comic book stuff coming out. The new Mission Impossible will be dropping next year. I feel like Tom Cruise is single-handedly saving the movie theater because Top Gun Maverick feels like a movie that must be experienced in the movie theater. I've already seen it a couple of times. 
I saw it in a regular theater. I'm going to go watch it in a drive-thru setting. Mm-hmm. I I want to see it in the D-box seats. Yeah. Like, I re- like that's the one I'm most excited mm-hmm. for is I want to go see it in the D-box seats. I saw it in IMAX. It gotcha. was incredible. I want to catch this movie in every possible way I can. That's how good it is. <laughs> nice. I, because I, I want to know the best possible surround sound for it. Yeah. Because it is that good. I wanted to see IMAX because I wanted to be immersed in the screen yeah, and yeah. the resolution. Mm-hmm. And now I want to catch it in D-Box because I want that full immersion. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. I'm you excited. You and Anna need to see this. No, we're, we're going to see it soon. We just haven't had the time to yet. I'm telling you, it is completely worth it. There are a few movies, usually they're Marvel related, that yeah. I, I want to see multiple times in theater. And even the Marvel ones, there haven't been many that I've wanted to like mm-hmm. re-watch. There hasn't been that in-game or Infinity War movie that's come out to where it's like i need to see that multiple times spider-man no way home probably that's about it in recent memory but this is one of those movies where it's like i can't get to the theater enough to see this wow because it's i guarantee you this is going to be a different experience in theaters than it will be when you bring it home oh yeah like once it hits streaming Mm -hmm. like unless you've got just a kick-ass setup it's not going to be the same. It's also been a huge week in sports. Mm-hmm. Of course, the NBA Finals started on Thursday. Yes, sir. Team we, of the Saturday morning hangover, baby. They're there, the baby. Seas. The Seas are there. We've been telling y'all. We called this matchup in the finals when the playoffs started. We did. We absolutely did. If you've been listening, you know both of us had the Warriors advancing out of the West, and both of us really like the Celtics in the East. Mm-hmm. Here we sit. And now the Seas have a 1-0 lead, stealing home court already. Yeah. 12-point deficit going into the fourth. That series looked like, or that game looked like it was over heading into the fourth, and the Seas exploded. 40-16 to in that final frame. Just incredible. What are your takeaways from game one? Uh, my takeaways from game one that Boston is just much more deep than the Warriors are. We thought the Warriors were pretty deep because of, you know, how Kaminga had been playing. And then now they've got Igudala who came back. Iggy Jordan Poole. Poole had been averaging 20 off the bench, stuff like that. But man, you see Al Horford, Derek White. Mm-hmm. Grant Williams, these guys that that aren't starting for the Celtics that just came out and were were absolutely balling, playing nothing but meaningful minutes, especially mm-hmm. Derek White and Al Horford. Those two, I mean, without the scoring of either one of them, I'm not sure that the Celtics win that game. So, yeah, this is gonna be it's gonna be a good series. I'm excited. I think it's gonna go a long way. I should have asked you this first. Who do you have winning this series? Celtics, man. Celtics. You got the C's. Mm-hmm. See, I still think it's the Warriors. Celtics. I love the C's. The C's are my team. Obviously, I'm repping the C's today. I even got the the pine threes on. I've got my Celtics shorts. I got my Celtics shirt on. <laughs> I'm I'm repping. That's how it's going today. But I still think it's the Warriors and. I'll tell you why I still think it's the Warriors. Let's hear it. 
the Warriors deep, and they were in control of game one up until that fourth quarter, obviously. Now, do I think this is going to be a long series? Yes. Do I think it's going to be close? Yes. Do I think the Celtics can win it? Absolutely. This is probably the best defensive team left, or they have been the best defensive team the entire postseason. I love the Boston Celtics and how they match up defensively. Mm-hmm. I do, too. But I also love how the Warriors match up defensively. They're a very, very good defensive team, and they shut Jason Tatum down. Him and Jalen Brown. Scoring-wise. Yeah. But Defensively, the, he was a monster. And a he had 13 assists. Yeah. He was great. That's what makes him so great now. No, I'm 100% aware, but this, the Warriors were dominating game one. They were up double digits going into the fourth quarter. And then Al Horford and Derek White go off. Took over, man. And Jalen Brown. He exploded in the second half. He did. But I look at what Derek White did, and as great as he was, I can't expect that from him every game, especially not what he did from behind the arc. That's not sustainable for Derek White. He is a 31% three-point shooter. He always regresses to the mean. He had a great night the other night. That's not sustainable. Al Horford, also not the best from behind the arc, went off from behind the arc in that fourth quarter. Those aren't sustainable assets, in my opinion. They, The Warriors gave them those shots because the Warriors don't respect them taking those shots. Well, I don't think that's going to change. So I don't know about 20-point outings every night for them, but I think that level of play where they're adding meaningful minutes and you know scoring 12 or more each of them, I think that's absolutely sustainable because... You look at those two, and they're they're the other guys on this team. When you're playing the Celtics, you're not looking at Al Horford and Derek White when you're on defense. Absolutely not. You're paying attention to um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams, and even Marcus Smart, too. So Mm -hmm. usually either Derek White or um, Al Horford is the fifth guy now on that team. So plenty of shots to be had for those two. I think... That level of play is sustainable for those guys. I don't know about you know leading the team in scoring every night, but I can see them averaging 12-plus for the rest of the sure, series. Sure, 12-plus, but 12, if you 15, think about it, 20, 25 from 26, White, 21 from White, 26 from Horford. 26 from Horford. Playoff high for him, an NBA Finals record, career record. Like This is amazing for them. Mm-hmm. Take those points away, knock them back down to 12, like you expect. It's a completely different ballgame. And yeah. the Celtics, dom- or the, the Warriors, had dominated most of the first three quarters of that game. If not for an insane fourth quarter, we're looking at 1-0 Warriors likely going into game two, in which we're talking about Jason Tatum being held to 12 points. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, but I, I think that um, to an extent, they're definitely, I think they're going to sustain that level of play. And if they regress to the mean, I think that means that Tatum or Horford or Marcus Smart is just hitting a bunch more shots. Mm-hmm. And I think Grant Williams is going to have a game like this in the series too. There's a possibility, and they're ex- insanely deep and have the ability for anyone to go off at any point in time, but at the same principle. So do the Warriors. Mm-hmm. You can have Draymond go off for 25. You can have Clay Thompson go off. Like, I thought he was having a down 
postseason shooting. Mm-hmm. I found yeah. out he's shooting 41% from behind the arc That's this postseason. Incredible. Having a down postseason, like just watching the playoffs and watching Clay Thompson, I was like, man, he's just not shooting the ball very well. I found out he's shooting 41% from behind the arc this postseason. That's insane yeah, to it's think he's incredible. having a down postseason yeah. shooting that well from behind the arc. He's going to go off at some point, just like he did in uh, the closeout against the Mavericks. You expect Thompson's going to get his. Steph already proved he can get his no matter what. Doesn't matter who's guarding him. Mm-hmm. I think Kaminga's going to play an important role in this series at some point, and we know Wiggins and Poole can both go off at any point in time. The same in the same vein that Derek White and Al Horford went off. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. I, it was a it was a bad night for Poole. And what makes it murky for me when it comes to Poole, they have Iggy back now. So I think Iggy might take he's taking some of those minutes from mm-hmm. Poole. He's taking some of those shots away from Poole. And it'll be interesting to see how the Warriors kind of negate taking Poole out of the game when they really need his scoring and especially shooting off the bench. So It'll be interesting to see how they divvy up the minutes between him and him and Jordan Poole. The other thought process of it, uh, when we look at it, is the coaching. Mm-hmm. Ime Udoka is here for the first time. Yep. Made some great adjustments in that fourth quarter. A lot of those adjustments, I think, came down to just shots falling, finally. Steve Kerr has been here, done that, knows the lay of the land, especially when you get into the finals. So I I lean towards Kerr in terms of just coaching experience yeah. and ability to adapt on the fly within the finals. Yeah, but while Ime himself as a head coach, he hasn't been there. He's been there plenty of times sitting next to and yeah. sitting next to Pop, mm-hmm. who is all-time great when it comes to adjustments on the fly in game stuff like that. So, he's got a lot to lean on in terms of things he's seen and heard, mm-hmm. not necessarily necessarily done himself, but you know, he's had first-hand experience on the court and off the court next to Pop in these big games. So I think that's going to help him a lot. He is Jack Thompson. You can follow him on Twitter at Jack underscore Thompson 33. I am at I am Pledger. You're locked into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star ESPN AM 1250. And now on 10, or excuse me, 94.1 FM. When we come back, what's legal and what's not legal? Well, we had a lawyer try and explain things to us, and I think he's wrong. I think this man needs to go back to school. I think uh, he's trying to win a court case, but he's losing public opinion, and that may be worse for his client than anything else. We'll tell you what we're talking about next, right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.1 FM. Listen to us on that. It's so much richer, fuller, thicker. I sound taller. Jack <laughs> is as handsome as he is in person. Comes across even oh, yeah. handsomer on ninety four one. I mean, it is just the best possible way. Plus, you don't got to worry about losing us anymore. No nope. comfort, utopia, divine, all around. Wherever San Antonio, you're at, we're right Bronco, there with you. San Marcos, we got you covered. We got you. We are on the biggest stick possible, but we're gonna try and. Break down some legalese coming up next here on the Saturday Morning Hangover.
Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and now 94.1 FM. I am James Fletcher. I am joined by Jack Thompson. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at I am Pledger. He is at Jack underscore Thompson 33. Or you can follow the station at SA Sports Star. Tweet at us. Let you know what your thoughts are so far on the NBA Finals. Who you got? How many games? Let us know. We'll be reading replies throughout the show. But I'll tell you what, Deshaun Watson's lawyer, Rusty Harden, is coming to his client's defense. Deshaun Watson picked up a couple of new cases this week in terms of civil lawsuits against him. It was at 22 for over a year now, it feels like. And after Real Sports, a couple more have come forward, giving... Pushing the number up to 24 lawsuits against him, citing the real sports, the women going out, and the bravery that they show giving them the confidence to come forward, as well as the fact that Deshaun Watson, in his press conference, when introduced after being traded to the Cleveland Browns, still says he has no regrets about anything that happened. So this has caused a couple more women to come forward. Yeah. And Deshaun has maintained his innocence throughout all of this. Mm-hmm. And Rusty Harden, the lawyer for Deshaun Watson on Payne and Pendergast yesterday morning at Sports Radio 610 in Houston, says Deshaun Watson legally has done nothing wrong. I don't know how many men are out there now that have had a massage that perhaps occasionally there was a happy ending, all right? Maybe there's nobody in your listening audience that that ever happened to. I do want to point out, if it has happened, it's not a crime, okay? Unless you are paying somebody extra or so to give you some type of sexual activity, it's not a crime. And so at the end of the day, uh, that's another thing that would affect conduct. Doing something or saying something or being a way that makes you uncomfortable is not a crime. Not a crime. Hey, not a crime. You heard it. That's a lawyer. Making someone uncomfortable, not a crime. It's a man who knows the law, okay? Not a crime. (laughs) Legal loopholes, I like to call them. (laughs) Oh, my God, man. That's your lawyer? That's your lawyer. You better run and hide. (laughs) That is your lawyer coming to your defense on national radio oh, after Lord. two more step forward. Oh, Lord. I look at this and you can say it's not a crime. Would Robert Kraft beg to differ? I think there's a lot of people that would beg to differ. Um, Because I do believe the law was involved with that one. I find this incredibly difficult because they're trying to come to the defense that these things happened, it wasn't paid for, and it wasn't forced. Like, these were just things that happened during the course of the massage. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it was accidental, sometimes it was two consenting adults. The sheer number 
leaves it to at least public opinion. And this is going to be very opinionated because we are talking about a civil lawsuit. You're not talking about beyond the shadow of a doubt evidence. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a preponderance of evidence. 5149. Yeah. That's all you have to have in the minds of the people trying a case like mm-hmm. this is a, a, you know, barely this much percentile, 1%, I believe that something bad happened. And because of that, I don't know that Deshaun is going to win this case in terms of just public opinion. Mm -hmm. Because it looks like he's actively out looking for things that, while it may have been consenting in some cases, just because of the sheer number of things that he was looking for, this is a lot that say that it was not consenting Mm -hmm. across the board. Yeah. Sticky situation, man. I don't know. Is that a pun? <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> it just the more this unfolds, dude. It looks awful. It right? looks so bad. So so bad. Because this is no longer about legal loopholes and mm-hmm. getting out of grand jury indictments. This is about perception. Yeah. And I think the longer this plays out, especially in public like this, the more the perception starts to shift towards the victims in this case. And I wonder if settlement might be the best option for him to go down because on 610, Harden did say that they got really close in terms of a settlement. Mm-hmm. Trading deadline of November the 2nd. And all of a sudden, Miami comes to the fore and says, look, we'll take our chances on what's going to happen with the criminal. Because at that time, there was a criminal investigation going on uh, by the police department and ultimately the DA's office. Most teams were not willing to consider trading until and unless they knew what was going to happen in the criminal investigation. And by that time, it was six months old, and there was that uncertainty. Miami was an outlier. Miami, Ross says, the owner of Miami says, I'll take my chances on what happens criminally, but I have to have all 22 cases settled and a non-disclosure agreement, or I won't do it. And, uh, and so we were told, I want to go to Miami. And so we started negotiating with Busby about him going to Miami. Uh, and that one got up to an exchange of agreements. Everything they wanted in the agreement, we put in it, whatever, because our guy wanted to go to Miami. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, two of the women uh, would not settle. We were told that 20 of them would, but two would not. Ross said, if I don't have all 22 signed up and a non-confidentiality and a confidentiality agreement, because I don't want everybody talking about this during the season and after the season. So it broke down. It didn't happen. And then right at the last minute, from the 20 that were agreeable, we were told that two more had changed their mind, and so there were 18 that were willing to settle, but not 22. All right, so a lot to unpack. He was almost a Miami Dolphin. Mm-hmm. There was a, a very aggressive, is what's being reported, NDA that they were being forced to sign, but two 
held out, and then two more fell into the holdout. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you settle the others just in case? So you're only having to deal with four cases instead of, if you were willing to do it at that point, Yeah. why not knock out as many as you can? But in terms of, I did nothing wrong, and that's the stance I'm taking, Deshaun Watson and his legal team, outside of, if we can't get them all done, we're not doing any of them, because I maintain my innocence. Mm -hmm. And so Deshaun is making it seem like this is more about his innocence than it is about lowering the numbers to where I have to fight fewer cases Yeah, in the grand scheme of things. And it's about winning them all. Dude, I don't know. You would think he would have taken that road. It's it's, it feels like four is an easier fight than twenty two now four. He's just so intent on maintaining, like you said, his innocence and all of this when clearly it lies somewhere much, much closer to the middle in which there is no innocence. Something happened. Yeah, obviously something has happened. (laughs) And even if you are found innocent, the something that happened is horrible for your reputation. If if that's what you're trying to preserve is a reputation, because he was the squeaky clean pillar within the community Mm -hmm. in Houston. Regardless of how this case turns out, that facade is shattered. Yeah. Because you were at worst at or not at worst, but at best, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Looking for things of ill repute. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are sexually trying to elicit things with multiple women. Over the course of, you know, the past year during COVID. And who knows how long that happened even before that, right? Mm -hmm. So it is, if this is about a pursuit of defamation against your character, it's a tough road that it feels like to win for him. Because regardless of it, your character has been shattered in terms of that white knight that we all thought you were prior to all of these allegations coming to light. Mm-hmm. And Harden tried to compare this case of the defamation of his name in terms of another high-profile defam- defamation case that we had just seen come to a conclusion. And, I, you know, I've learned over the years that there are some cases that the courtroom is the only refuge for because a person that is accused of a, 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 a really bad act uh, and particularly is in a, a hot-button social issue, take, take the Johnny Depp thing that just happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only time, if Johnny Depp had, had been left that situation and never go to court on it, 
never have anybody cross-examining the accuser, but simply himself and his lawyer saying, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, nobody would have believed him. And only after the accusations are tested by cross-examination for somebody on his side is there a chance to maybe move that needle. And, and I've unfortunately believed that was always only Deshaun's chance. But I also am not naive enough to know that that will solve the problem. The truth is, over the years, I've encountered a number of these types of cases. As Rusty Harden on Sports Radio 610 with Payne and Pendergast yesterday morning, he is right in terms of having their day in court, in terms of being able to cross-examine these women in front of a jury to bring out the the truth of the matter, whether they are being honest with what they're portraying happened to them. Mm -hmm. Correct? Yeah. So this is something that they do feel that they need to take to court. We know that's not going to happen. That's they both sides have agreed. This wouldn't happen during the football season. So we're looking at probably if this doesn't get resolved before the start of this football season, which it's not expected to. Mm-hmm. We're looking at at least next year before we come to a resolution. The NFL has wrapped up their investigation or is close to wrapping it up. It feels like, mm-hmm. according to Roger Goodell. Do we see the NFL come to a decision before this thing comes to an end? And if so, what do you think that decision is? Because in light of what Harden said mm-hmm. in terms of getting a massage and yeah. <laughs> how how that massage may end. Oh my god. <laughs> if nothing else, mm-hmm. that is just a bad look for the shield. Yeah. I mean, you would think the NFL jumps in and makes a decision prior to this ending, but it really looks like the NFL is not trying to be the ones that are making the reprimands initially on this. Mm-hmm. They're trying to see if it unfolds, but I think I don't think it necessarily will until the NFL really steps in and takes a hold of this. So, yeah, I'm... See, it's I, just getting worse and worse on the NFL. Mm-hmm. So the pressure is just going to amount more and more. And eventually they're just going to for just saving face for as little as they can on this situation that they're going to have to step in and make some sort of decision on what's going to happen to this guy. Because, I mean, as of right now, it, he can play. So as with, of right now. Yeah. So with everything going on and everything being said it doesn't matter but does in- the NFL want in terms of the latest things that just came out of Rusty Harden's mouth mm-hmm. do they want him in front of the media weekly talking about his massage habits now and how <laughs> or what he may have been looking for in yeah. the, because it's going to get old It's going to, and I mean old in terms of the NFL having to, because the media is not going to stop asking questions about this. 
And Rusty Harden's response shows that no matter what, things happen during these massages. Mm-hmm. And the 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 shield is going to look at this and be like, that's just a bad look for us. And I think that may be enough now to where they can go, all right, Deshaun, you're going to have to sit down for a little bit just because that's a horrible look on the shield. Yeah. In, in terms of protecting conduct detrimental to the league, you going out and trying to get these acts mm-hmm. is just a bad look for us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I do believe that yeah. where I was, eh, suspension, I don't know. I was very iffy on it, on whether they would or not. I am feeling more comfortable that something is happening. And I feel that something is going to be heavier than I thought it was ever going to be. Um, getting a few texts and tweets in. Sounding much better on 94.1 FM. Oh, yeah. Question for the air. Do you, do, do you have any difference in the Watson case being a Texans fan versus a sports on-air show host? No, I try to... I'm never going to bring something to the air because I'm on air. When I, I like to pride myself on the fact that I am giving you what I actually believe. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything for you. I'm not going to say something to say something. And I'm never going to take a side just to oppose the other side unless it is just, hey, what about this in terms of just looking at the other side of something? Not so much agreeing I should be there, but just, hey, this is what the other side looks like, and then giving you my opinion about what side I would fall on. Yeah. I'm never going to take a side just to oppose. And while I felt there was, if any suspension, it was going to be minimal just because of the lack of evidence. In light of Rusty Harden's comments and the look on the league, I feel this is getting worse and worse. And now there are more that have come forward because the HBO Real Sports, on top of his openness of a lack of regret for anything that he had done, making even more come forward. I feel like the NFL is going to have to do something. And I feel like that something is going to be bigger than we thought it was ever going to be. No, I agree. This is getting worse and worse for this man by the day. I thought it was four to eight. I now think it's a year that may get appealed down to eight, but I think at minimum it's a year right now. Yeah, I mean, we saw Calvin Ridley get a full year for betting on a game in a state where betting is legal. So this seems like a whole lot worse. (laughs) So a year sounds pretty minimal in terms of what Deshaun Watson might get if you put it up against, you know, what Calvin Ridley got for doing what he did. And in the grand scheme of things, I think Deshaun Watson is outweighing um, Ridley on the justice scale here. So I think his punishment... Might have to be worse if that's what you gave Ridley. He is Jack Thompson. Follow him on Twitter at Jack underscore Thompson 33. I am at I am Pledger. You can follow the station at SA Sports Star. Keep tweeting at us the way 
DLP did, as he said, I am Pledger, at, uh, Deshaun Watson's lawyer after more women came forth at SA Sports Star, and it is just that Simpsons lawyer <laughs> just freaking out as more women pop out from behind a door, and he just runs away screaming. <laughs> when we come back, though, college football is getting wild, and it could be one incredible season coming forth in college football, especially in the SEC. And that doesn't even have Texas or OU there yet. We'll talk about how things are playing out in the Southeastern Conference, what to look forward to both this year and when Texas and OU finally make their dive into the deep end of the pool. We'll talk Mm -hmm. about that next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and now on 94.1 FM. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover. Right here on 12.50 AM. And of course... The all-new 94.1 FM. Stop. You can also listen online at sasportstar.com. Don't forget, later today, after the post-up, which comes immediately following the Saturday morning hangover, where we talk all things hoops, we've got Texas Rangers baseball for you because we are your home for Texas Rangers baseball. It all starts at 2.30 with the pregame as they continue their series with the Seattle Mariners from Globe Life Field in Arlington. 305 first pitch. And then tomorrow, after the Rangers, we've also got the NBA Finals. Game two, live from San Francisco at the Chase Center. Celtics lead that series 1 0. Can Golden State pull back even? Find out tomorrow night right here on San Antonio Sports Star. You're home for the NBA Finals. 94.1 FM, 12.50 AM, starts at 7 o'clock with the pregame. Jack, college football is going to be wild this year. Oh, We're yeah. under 100 days away. Mm-hmm. We just had the SEC media days this week, and we saw Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher through a war words leading up to media day. <laughs> Jimbo! That seemed to have quelled this week. Yep. That seems to have fallen to the wayside a little bit in terms of both of those guys are past it, mm-hmm. they're past the anger and the vitriol that had ensued. Tired of talking about it. They are, at least. October 8th is still going to be a huge day. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It starts with Texas OU that day. And Texas and OU are in talks with the city of Dallas to extend their rivalry at the Cotton Bowl mm-hmm. and get some upgrades to that stadium. Yeah. Right now it's currently scheduled to go through 2025 there, and this would extend it through them arriving into the SEC, which I believe would also be in 2025. Mm-hmm. They're going to get a very good look at a... At a budgeting rivalry this year. Because oh, yeah. Because A&M 
and Alabama seems to be taking it up a notch this year. Yes. Absolutely. A&M has to show up, though. Oh, yeah. A&M, I understand that they have scored this shut past up. year, yep. but you got to do more than just beat them yeah. every once in a while. Yeah, no, it's You've true. You've got to finish it off by not only beating them, but by also keeping your name in the playoff race. Yeah, it's two years in a row now that we've been knocking on the doorstep of the playoffs. It's time... I mean, were you knocking this past year? We were pretty we were pretty close. We were right in there. I don't think with three losses you were that close. Some stuff I mean we not in not like the year before when we should have been in you it, knocked. But by knocking on the door, I mean we we're one of the next teams to make that step into the playoffs. Two years in a row we've been top ten to finish the season. You gotta make that step. You gotta be in the conversation, and they weren't in the conversation last year. I don't think you can make a case that they were even close to the conversation. I don't know. But still, what I'm saying is yeah. two years in a row, you're right there outside looking in. You get the number one recruiting class. You've got key returners on both sides of the ball. It's time to make the step to get in there. And You got to get in? Yeah. And you can't be dropping these games to... Yeah. Mississippi or mm -hmm. Mississippi State every year. You, yeah. You've got to finish the process. Mm -hmm. And it's something Jimbo hasn't done. And I think with the expectations that are going to come with this recruiting class that he just signed. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say but, even though Nick Saban's probably right. But that's the lay of the land in college football. They're all bought now. Yeah. Texas bought theirs. Mm-hmm. Alabama is buying theirs. Yeah. Ryan just, Day just told his guys, you need to step it up and put $15 million aside just for us to be able to recruit now. Yeah. That's just the lay of the land. And while Nick Saban was right in his assessment of there needs to be kind of universal law at some point. Yeah. I think the way he went about it was wrong. And I think Jimbo's reaction was a bit visceral and wrong as well. I had what does it matter if you bought your recurring class? It's legal. I just come out and say, yeah, we're better than you at it right now. Mm -hmm. I would just throw it down and be like, yeah, if you want to come to AM, you're gonna get paid. That's the lay of the land right now. It is, yeah. So his his adamancy and fighting back against a true statement or what may be a true statement and don't parse your words with of the guys that showed up early, only uh, 11 of them, only one has an NIL deal. All right. What about those guys that are showing up in August? I understand what you're trying to do, parsing your words. You're trying to go full Rusty Harden on this. It's not illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Just embrace it because we all know what it is. And I understand you're trying to throw some fire at Nick Saban and kick him while he's down because apparently down for A&M is losing in the national championship game. <laughs> but if you're going to throw that kind of fire out at the GOAT, 
you better capitalize on it. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not a shut-up time for the Ags, for sure. We have the number one recruiting class. Mm-hmm. And those guys are going to, you know, pay dividends. But for those guys, it's next year and the following year when you really start to see them, you know, grow mm-hmm. into their role, become starters, impact players, veterans on the team, stuff like that. So this was kind of ill-advised because you're putting a lot of pressure on those freshmen to come in right away and just be absolute monsters and take over the SEC, which, you know, there are some kids who are able to do so, but majority, there's a huge physicality, athleticism, and Mm -hmm. learning curve that comes to SEC football. So you're adding a lot of pressure to this you know, freshman class to come in and just absolutely dominate the SEC, which is, you know, a tad far-fetched when you think about it in the grand scheme of things. This recruiting class officially puts Jimbo Fisher on the hot seat, does it not? Uh, I think his seat starts to get warm, but when you got a $98 million buyout... I'm not saying, like, he's fired at the end of the year if he doesn't capitalize, but there have to be massive... Yeah, no. Strides towards whether you're in the co- a you got to make the college football playoff within the next few years, I believe. Absolutely, within no, the next absolute, two to three. Years, absolutely, yeah. That timeline to. I just laid out, you absolutely have to, and have to. You have to be at least in the conversation of what four, uh, four through eight now, every year leading up to eventually knocking that door down. Yeah. Like, you can't have a year where you're outside the top 10 no. and you need 15 teams to lose going into the final yeah. weekend. No, it's, you have to be knocking on the door all year. You have to be in the play- – when people from week two on are talking about playoff teams, you gotta be in A&M the top has to be in that conversation all year. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. He's just turned up the pressure mm-hmm. on himself. He has. And that's fine. Yeah, and I yeah. believe that he's he likes a, it. A, he's a great coach. Yeah, I agree. But that is a that is a, a large spotlight that you now have looming mm-hmm. over College Station. It is. I'm here for it, though. And... Y- Speaking of spotlights, I don't understand what their uh, is it the Dallas Cowboys model of thinking of just being in the news is good news, but <laughs> Ross Bjork also came out this week and threw down the hammer on the University of Texas, saying, "You're coming here. Mm-hmm. The first game you have to play has to be at Kyle Field." if this rivalry is going to be renewed. A, I I don't think that's how the scheduling works. I don't think you get to determine that. That's Ross. very true, yeah. <laughs> I believe that is on the conference itself. B, while it may be true, you're going to the SEC. You, every team in the SEC has seniority. Are the Horns expected to play 11, 12 road games that year? Not everybody can be a, a a home team. Yeah. And Texas's first year in the SEC, that's just not how it works. And while the last game this this rivalry was played was in College Station by the way, 
Mm-hmm. And while it may be a fair thing to be like, SEC, we get the first game. Like, regardless, yeah. we get it. If you just tell this to the SEC behind closed doors, mm-hmm. and the schedule eventually comes out in three to five years, yeah. people would just look at it and go, yeah, that's fair. Makes sense. Makes sense. But by throwing out this sweeping declaration, now you've just made this a huger deal than it has to be, and there's going to be pushback that probably never would have existed if not you coming out and being so vocal about it. Mm-hmm. I mean... I don't understand the reasoning for it more other than little brother syndrome. Uh, I don't really... You're follow- trying to es- establish a dominance by basically whizzing on a, on something and calling it yours. Yeah, I mean, I fall somewhere in the middle with that. I'm all for, you know, coming out, talking your talk for sure. UT would... I'm about talking UT your talk. Would, you can't say that UT wouldn't do the same exact thing if the things if we were flipped. You know it. You know UT no. would say the same thing. Yeah, they 100% would. They would 100% would. So it's a it's not a big deal either way. I mean, yeah, he could have done it behind closed doors. But, uh, you know, UT fans are always calling us scared to play them. So y'all want to play us? Come to the best... Come to the best stadium in the in the SEC where we got 120,000 ags scream SEC ags screaming at you, so you can see what the SEC is really about. I mean, we've seen it. It's different it's not like now. It, it's it's not different. Like we haven't seen it before. It's, it's different now. It's so much different. Kyle Field is way bigger now than the last time UT was there. Uh, a couple of things coming in at you, Roach. Can't compare Ridley and Watson. Ridley actually violated league rules that compromised the integrity of the league. Watson hadn't been convicted or proven guilty of anything. Never will be outside of public opinion, yes. But when you're talking about the the shield itself and the look, they had no problem reprimanding Robert Kraft for something that seems equal to, if not worse, in the grand scheme of things. So with the barometer of Robert Kraft in place, I do believe that there is at least precedence now for the league to say, nope. This is this is not this is not a good look for any of us. You have to go away for a while. Also says recruiting salary cap for the NCAA. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I, it would allow teams to be able to spend equally for the most part. It's just always going to be different because state to state taxes and everything are so much different. So. It is. Uh Gerardo Montez says at Jack underscore Thompson 33, at I am Pledger, at SA Sports Star, with Watson and more cases coming up against him. I think he'll get suspended for the full season, and I just think this team knew that that would happen because the first year of his contract is only a million dollars. They've planned this out. And that's not why they're getting rid of Baker Mayfield. That's why they're keeping him along, because they know that... Oh, I think they would trade him given anything. They want to get rid of him. They're okay with Jacoby Brissett, which is why they signed Jacoby Brissett, being Deshaun Watson's backup. This is more so about not getting what they feel is value for the former number one overall pick. Well, and they, his contract is a lot. He is Jack Thompson. I am James Pledger. You're locked into the Saturday morning hangover. NBA Finals. 
Is it over? History <laughs> says it may be. We'll talk about it next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, and now on 94.1 FM. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, the Saturday Morning Hangover. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover, hour number two, right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, and now on the all-new 94.1 FM. Drop us a like, drop us a comment, follow us at SA Sports Star, at Jack underscore Thompson 33 at I am Pledger. Let us know where you're listening from. I know we've got a whole new reach because of it. And you don't have to switch between the FM to the AM to the app if you're making a road trip or going out into the hill country anymore. So I'm very excited to make my next trip out to Canyon Lake and check out the new reach of the signal without having to flip. So. The NBA Finals, though, are they already over? Stats say that it's a possibility. 71% of teams that win Game 1 of the NBA Finals have gone on to win the series. I mean, home court is extremely important, for sure. But, I mean, the Warriors win Game 1, they win Game 2, then they have home court. Or they win Game 2 again, and then Game 3 in Boston, and then they have home court. So, I mean... No, it's not over by any stretch. Now, if Boston takes game two, things start to heat up a little bit. Because then you absolutely have to steal one. And then you absolutely have to win at least... You absolutely have to win one of the next two. So, things definitely heat up if Boston can steal another one. But, no, it's it's not over by any stretch right now. I know the stats kind of say otherwise, but... It's not over. So, with that in mind, between the stats and now the importance of not dropping both games at home, mm-hmm. because I'm sure that those numbers yeah. go up exponentially. Yes, yes. Is this a must-win for Golden State all of a sudden? It's a, not a must-win in the sense of you're done Well, yeah. right away if you lose, but it gets a whole lot tougher, a whole lot tougher to win four out of the next five. Going into TD Gardens, not going to be easy after yeah. this. Winning four of the next five is a lot harder. While the Chase Center is a beautiful new arena, mm-hmm. it's not Roracle, man. No, nah, it's not. It's not the same. It's not. What, what does Golden State have to do in order to make sure they at least get a split at home? Because... We've talked about the importance of, of mm-hmm. Game 2 now, which you can catch right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3, or excuse me, 94.1 FM. I knew that was going to happen at some point. But what, what do they have to do to turn the tide? Because they did what they wanted to in terms of mm-hmm. holding Jason Tatum in check. Yeah. Do they have to come off of that strategy now or do they hold firm in their strategy thinking that the players that went off Mm -hmm. can't sustain it exactly um well first of all i think you still are trying to make other players besides jason tatum beat you for sure 
I think that the Warriors definitely have to extend their defense out and kind of run guys off the three-point line because literally the Celtics can go uh, five guys on the court that can hit threes. Yeah. But I think also what the Celtics need to figure out is what they're doing with their bench lineup. And I think while Andre Iguodala has played some fantastic NBA basketball in his time, I think I'm playing Kaminga instead of him. Okay. Bigger, more athletic, mm-hmm. can maybe not, doesn't know the nuances of NBA defense like Iguodala might, but he's a great defender, Kaminga, for his age. And when Kaminga's on the court off the bench with Jordan Poole, mm-hmm. that means Jordan Poole has the ball in his hand a lot more. Mm-hmm. I noticed when Iguodala was coming off the bench with Poole, Iguodala had the ball in his hands a lot. He was, you know, starting offense, playing that point forward kind of guy. The ball stuck. Yeah, ball sticks with him. And that, in turn, only let Jordan Poole, you know, he only scored nine points. So they really have to figure out what they're doing with their bench lineup and how they can get Jordan Poole going off the bench. Because if they cannot, they will not win. Because we haven't seen a game... I can't think of a game all playoffs in which the Splash Brothers were the Splash Brothers and they completely dominated, won a game by themselves. Game six uh, against the Mavericks, the closeout. Did they both go off in that one? I believe so. Okay, then they've had they've had one game. This is one game. Yeah. We haven't seen full Splash Brothers mm-hmm. consistent yeah. like we were used to seeing pre-injuries. Mm-hmm. And when you've got two players in your starting lineup and Kevon Looney and Draymond Green who don't score, who only scored eight points combined in the first game, you have to have that scoring off the bench. And since Clay and Steph can't do it every night, you have to negate that with Wiggins and Poole mm-hmm. going off for 15-plus and if they're both not doing that, gets really, really tough for the Warriors because then you're throwing everything at Steph because those guys aren't hitting everything. Would Gary Payton the second's return? I don't know because sway Iguodala, things in any way because they have Iguodala. I don't know how much they're gonna even. They would even play Gary Payton because it, what we saw from him, he was a dude that was yeah, trending no. towards exactly. a nice payday this offseason yeah. because of. His emergence. If anything, that just adds more depth. More, yeah, more depth, but more like rotational headache for Steve. Like, how are you going to get minutes for Igudala, Porter, and um, Gary Payton mm-hmm. while also trying to get Poole in there and score meaningful buckets while also trying to get Clay and Steph to go off? And also, you're trying to get Wiggins comfortable to score in his first finals. Like this, that just adds more of a roster headache in the storms of you know, too too many riches, too many guys to play. When the most important guy on that bench is Poole, and they they absolutely need to get him going. He's 20 points a game, 
in the playoffs, and last night he only had nine. So, what did you see from Boston defensively in game one that, that really lended what, that fourth quarter explosion that we saw? Because Steph was limited after that first half. Well, what's scary about Boston is they can outdo the Warriors in what they do best, and that's going small. When the Warriors go small with Draymond at the five, well, hell, we'll put Horford at the five, or we'll put mm-hmm. you know Grant Williams at the five. Even Robert Williams can run the small ball five. Mm-hmm. So they can just outdo what the Warriors do best because they can go small, but it's a big small. I mean, you've got... It's a physical small. It's a, it's a physical small, but it's big, too. I mean, you've got Derek White and Mark Smart. That's 6'4", both of them. Mm-hmm. Then you go in Jalen, 6'8", Jason Tatum, 6'10", and then Rob, Rob Williams, 6'10", Grant Williams, 6'8", Horford, 6'10". The Warriors, when they go small, Draymond Green's what, 6'7"? Six seven six eight. Yeah, they don't have a guy above six seven six eight on that you know small ball lineup. So they're they're being outsmalled by a bigger smaller lineup. So it's they're in a more physical. Smaller yeah, much lineup. more physical for sure. Much more physical. Switch can switch everything, and uh, I mean that's just where the Celtics' downfall is because they they can't switch everything. Steph can't guard everybody. Uh. Dre can guard most people. Clay can guard most people. Wiggins can guard most people. But they're just being outdone in what they do best. So I'm really interested to see what what Kerr implements in this next one to get one get pool going immediately off the bench to take you know pressure off of Steph down the stretch because he was immaculate in that first half, mm-hmm. and then nobody was hitting shots. And they threw everything at Steph, and he cooled off, and they couldn't they couldn't compete. So I'm interesting to see how he can sustain Steph through the full game, how he can get Pool going off the jump, and how he can combat going small and being better at it than the Celtics when that's what they do best as well. Game two is of course tomorrow night. You can catch it right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM twelve fifty. And now, 94.1 FM, got a nice little tweet earlier this week once we made the flip to FM and they heard the game that night. It was like, 94.1 sounds so much better. You can hear the sneakers Mm -hmm. on the court. The sound is so deep. So awesome, awesome to hear things like that. Celtics, of course, leading the series 1-0. Game two from San Francisco, Sunday night at 7. It all starts right here at 6 o'clock with the pregame on your home for the NBA Finals. San Antonio Sports Star. Jack, I want to ask you more about the coaches within this series because there are some deep ties to the San Antonio Spurs when we talk about Steve Kerr, Ime Udoka, and take it even further than that. How deep does it go? We'll talk about it next right here on the San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, and now on 94.1 FM. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, and now 94.1 FM. Of course, you can follow us along at SA Sports Star. 
I am James Pledger. I'm joined by Jack Thompson. You can follow us on Twitter. Of course, follow the station at SA Sports Star. You can follow me at I am Pledger or my guy Jack Thompson at Jack underscore Thompson 33. Looking at Pop's coaching tree and its effect on this finals. And a lot of it was made prior to the finals. Adam Silver had kind of his state of the NBA address ahead of game one of the finals on Thursday and talked a lot about with Darvin Ham getting the Lakers job, diversity hirings within uh, the NBA and out of nowhere, promptly mentions Spurs head coach Greg Popovich. Thank you, Greg Popovich. You know, I mean, he practically runs an academy there for future coaches and not just coaches, but um, team executives. I mean, he's done a fantastic job. And he has. And you could talk about whether it's Ime Udoka with the diversity hiring. Steve Kerr was in the front office. You look at Mike Budenholzer with the Bucks, who won the title last year and took the Celtics to seven games. Just spurs tentacles all throughout. Uh, even what Becky Hammond is doing right now in the WNBA to where they are 10-1 and one and just rolling so far currently with what they've done. And you look at what Hammond's doing in the WNBA. You look at what Ime is doing in his first season with the Boston Celtics. You look at what Steve Kerr has done. Have the Spurs missed the boat on Greg Popovich's potential successor? Because I look at all the people that have gone on and gotten jobs and the tree that continues to branch out and now pieces of Pop's tree are having their own tree in terms of Ham, who was... Uh, coming off of Coach Bud's staff. Mm -hmm. Have they missed the opportunity already for Pop's successor? Or is that still a possibility? Because I look at what's left of his staff, and you've got Will Hardy and fill in the blank. No, you're... There's not a lot left on that coaching there's staff. There's not. No, there's absolutely not. Um, I wouldn't say that we've missed the boat because when Ime got hired, mm -hmm. you know, Pop, it wasn't Pop's time to go yet. And I'm not sure that it is still necessarily Pop's time to go, but, you know, that was a while back. Bud, I mean, that was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Becky... That kind of seems like we missed the boat there a little bit, for sure. Well, remember, Ime got the job, what, this offseason? So, much like Becky, it feels like a missed boat opportunity. I know he wasn't technically in San Antonio. He yeah. left in order to yeah. basically go mm -hmm. expand his opportunity to get a job. Because it didn't seem like it was coming in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. No, I, I agree. Uh, we've missed out on some opportunities, but the thing is, like, when you've had a guy like Pop as your coach, you've got the GOAT, it's, he's leaving when he's leaving. He's sure. not going to be pushed out or anything like that. So, while it seems like, yeah, there... Is that not, a good thing? 
It's because remember, it's neither good nor Tom bad. Landry had to be pushed out by Jerry Jones, and while yeah, but Tom Landry was not the goat. He's uh, a he's cowboy them, fans would beg to differ. He's you know he's come on, Bill Bill Belichick is probably Bill the Bill Belichick coach didn't exist though when he was fired. I know, but what I'm saying is at the like. He's at the time Tom Landry was goat. That's it fair. was him, it was Vince Lombardi and Chuck Knoll, and those were the coaches you talked about. That's fair. You make a valid point. But I'm saying Pop still has a ton left in his tank. We've seen the development with this young team taking steps forward. There hasn't been a, a drop off in his coaching since we lost the big three. There's been a drop-off in team talent and who we've had around him for him, you know, to go mm-hmm. try and win games. But he's shown that he's still a very capable coach, one of the best in the league still. So there hasn't been a drop-off and a need to replace him. So while, yes... But it feels like every year for the last, would it be fair to say, five years, we've had the discussion... Is this Pop's last year? Well, we yeah, because he leaves he leaves it very vague. He does, and that's that's the problem, especially when dealing with free agents. Mm-hmm. The vagueness of how long Pop's going to be here, yeah. is detrimental to bringing people in. It's it's true. It's, it's true. There's pluses and minuses with what Pop does every year for sure. And you know, he said he was going to coach until Timmy left, and Timmy left, and he's still around. So. It's been kind of year to year since then. Then it was till the big three, and then Manu left, and the big three was gone, and Pop's still here. Yeah, so while we've absolutely missed out on some coaches, I don't think it's been a bad thing because we still have Pop. It's not like we've, we, we were needing them so badly to – you know, step in and the Spurs just fumbled that and didn't offer them enough or something like that. It's just because we still had pop that we let, you know, these guys walk and, you know, start their own coaching tree and all that, like you Mm -hmm. said. But it does feel like we have missed out on some great coaches for sure. It's kind of a a two-way street. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah, there's good and bad things that have come with it. But But the bad, mm -hmm. in terms of looking at, while we've missed out on these coaches, that's bad. The other part of the bad is what happens this offseason, last Mm offseason. We have all this money in free agency, Mm -hmm. but the vagueness of Pop's future, Mm -hmm. how detrimental is that to teams or, or free agents Willing to sign long term here, not knowing what the future is, it's not true. knowing what the succession plan is, not knowing while I'm I'm committing to P- Coach Pop, mm-hmm. how long is he going to be here if I'm signing for a four or five year max, right? Mm-hmm. I think now though with the Spurs, the old draw before we have become where we are now in the post Big Three era was, you know, you're coming to play with Pop. That's, you know, who doesn't want to do that? Who doesn't want to play with the greatest coach of all time? Who doesn't want to play with this great coach that will build you up and make you something great? All that, all that jazz. But now I think the team 
the players we have are starting to become a little more mm-hmm. of a draw to come wanting to come play. We see DeJounte, all-star, second and triple doubles, becoming a top-tier NBA player. We've got Keldon, Olympics. He made the steps that we wanted him to make this year in terms of shooting, scoring, all of that. We've got Devin making huge steps. We've got other young, good pieces. I think now there is more of a draw in terms of the roster that teams will want to come play with guys that we have. The Spurs organization has been changing year to year under Brian Wright and becoming more, you know, social media uh, savvy, I guess, in terms of, you know, guys can now go out and have their own brands, do their own, like, podcasts, do interviews, all this type of stuff. I think the Spurs organization as a whole not just pop has become more of a draw to players wanting to come in. Getting some messages coming in, and I was going to bring this up. Manu is a part of the Spurs, very vaguely defined role as to what he does. How would you feel about Manu? I wouldn't. I would love for Manu to be the coach. I don't know if. Would you? That's his thing right now. I don't want him to just step in and be the head coach. He definitely needs some time on the bench next to Pop learning the ropes. But eventually, I mean, I would not be opposed. I still have a lot of my eggs in the Jay Wright basket. Mm -hmm. And I still think that that's imminently on the table. There's also a lot of rumors around, you know, Bill Self. We've seen Quinn Schneider rumors start to bubble up recently. So I another message Bruce Bowen's coaching high school in the city. God no. <laughs> I agree. But God no. I had to throw it out there. Um No. I find Manu difficult because of something your your father said yesterday. I while I love him and think he very well could be a great head coach, great players usually aren't great coaches. Because the expectation is, do what I did. It's hard for them to comprehend someone not being able to do what you did as a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just just do that. Didn't work out for Larry Bird. Didn't work out for Michael Jordan. Yeah. Didn't work out for Isaiah Thomas. When had, it comes to... It hadn't worked out as a talent evaluator for Michael Jordan. No, yeah. When it comes to coaching, those who are great at the sport... It's hard to argue just, that Manu isn't great. No, no, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Those who are like top tier, best ever at what you've done, there's something about that player in which it was easier, easier, and a lot of God given stuff. Mm-hmm. Like what Manu was able to do on the court can't be replicated. You cannot teach it. You you can't teach it. His vision, it's instinctual. Yeah, exactly. It's instinctual, and you like Isaiah Thomas, little guy, bulldog. The mentality, the handles, like stuff like that. You can't, you can't teach. So it's almost like the guys who had to. Not saying that these guys didn't have to grind their way to the NBA, but I'm talking like the lesser athletic, lesser talent, lesser 
you know, recruited, the whatever. had to work for. Yeah, but I don't want to say that because obviously everyone who's ever played the, in the NBA the had The work to, that they put in is different. Yeah, though. it's different. Exactly. And those, It you is know, the work to hang on. Yeah, the work to hang on, the work to fi- figure out the nuances, to figure out the instincts. So that you can keep up with those mm-hmm. that had the God-given talent. Exactly. And it's guys like that who are better coaches because they had to work at everything and learn themselves how to do this stuff. And the game. Yeah, and that helps them teach others because they themselves had to figure it out so they can help others figure it out. Another part of that is rarely do coaches get to do what Pop is doing, which is basically leave on his own terms. That's Yeah, I would say 99.9% of coaches ever, ever get to do this. It would be a very, very tough thing to have to fire a Manu Ginobili. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which, yes. you think about it, you don't think about it in terms of we're hiring him. He's going to be the greatest ever. He's never going to be fired. He's going to retire, and everything's going to be great for sixty years. Mm-mm. It's not how, usually how it, it plays doesn't out. Work like that. I can only think of two coaches in the NBA. Red Auerbach. Or I'm talking current in oh. the NBA that are doing what Pop is doing. Obviously, on a much smaller scale, like time scale, but Kerr, Kerr. And Spolstra. Those are the two I was Those thinking. are the only two in the entire league who have their jobs set in stone every year, every no matter what. Mike Budenholzer, prior to winning the title last year, was, there was talk in the conference finals about him being fired. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, there are only two coaches current in the league that no matter what happens to their team, how they produce, or anything, they're, they're, safe. they're set in stone. They're going to be there. And you can't expect the next coach to have that because you don't want to be the guy that takes over for the guy, especially when the guy is the absolute GOAT. <laughs> he is Jack Thompson. You can follow him on Twitter at Jack underscore Thompson 33. I am at I am Pledger. Remember, coming up in about 30 minutes, we've got the post up where we talk all things hoops, but right now I want to talk a little, about a couple of things pop culture related. We talked about the return of the summer blockbuster, but something equally as great has been going on in the background We're going to talk about it next right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 94.1 FM. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover. Here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 1033. Jesus, I did it again. 94.1 FM. 94.1, baby. Still got to finish unpacking, unwrapping, taking the plastic off of stuff. I talked about the summer blockbuster being back earlier. Top Gun, Bullet Train, Thor Love and Thunder, Jurassic World Dominion, mm-hmm. so many things that are coming out that are for- forcing us to get back into the theaters after a couple of years of not being in theaters and reasons to go to the theater again. And it's been incredible. And one of the things not in theaters that has been incredible 
so far, as we're now two weeks into it, three episodes into it, has been Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. I am in on this series. Oh, yeah. I am fully in on this series. Super in. I don't think there's a whole lot of spoilers to have to try and avoid with this. It's been pretty straightforward. I don't think that anything like major can be kind of ruined so mm-hmm. far through three episodes. But seeing how he's kind of disconnected from the Force and become a shell of the person people remember him as and being forced back into things bringing the Inquisitors into the mix and holy cow Darth bleeping Vader Mm -hmm. dude prime Vader prime Vader, like what we saw in the hallway scene at the end of Rogue One, this is that, and it almost feels like it's amped up on steroids. Mm -hmm. The scene in the last episode where he is just walking down the village, just annihilating villagers left and right Mm -hmm. with the force. Well, that was some shocking stuff. They are <laughs> proving why he was terrified. Mm-hmm. Like you don't kind you you don't survive Vader. No, <laughs> there are no prisoners with Vader. Even if you're on the side of the Empire, if you don't like produce, bye bye. It was crazy and then the first meeting just the sadisticness of how he handled people is incredibly well done to where all right i get it i understand why he was probably one of the most feared beings in the entire galaxy (laughs) yeah man it that's something else i'm enjoying the storyline too Mm -hmm. the the storyline along with the action has been fantastic to this point it has been on point and i don't think anything has been ruined canonite canon wise yet by doing this uh actually it actually gives me more hope for speaking of hope a new hope Mm. you look at why princess leia was probably calling out to obi-wan help me obi-wan you're my only hope she's the only one that's kind of seen this jedi Mm -hmm. and so i think we're gonna find out why she was reaching out specifically to obi-wan in a new hope once she was under the threat of being captured by Lord Vader and the Empire. Yeah, this show has been phenomenal so far. I cannot wait to see how the rest of the episodes unfold. We're halfway through it already, unfortunately. Is there only six episodes? Six episodes. I thought it was eight. (laughs) That's so saddening. I've seen a lot of rumbles about a season two already, you know, starting to 
begin production or like writing or whatever. So at the end, because Ewan McGregor's he's producing, yeah, directing this something he's, like that. Yeah, he's something something in the in the higher ups for sure. Yeah, and I think he's done phenomenally so far with this, and I yeah. think Hayden Christensen's been. Mm-hmm. freaking great with this seeing hayden in the anakin robe again was it, pretty sick seeing him in the anakin robe at a and it wasn't even a flashback it was just kind of a a memory trick maybe mm-hmm. uh obi's mind playing tricks on him but seeing him in the back to tank and the sheer pain that he must have to endure like how long those needles are that prod into him that every day he has to go through when he gets ready to become Darth Vader mm-hmm. must be absolutely agonizing. It's so far. I'm yeah, it's my favorite series so far mm-hmm. right now on Disney plus. It's pretty dang. I terrific. loved Moon Knight. I thought it was great. Um, I will watch Miss Marvel when it drops next week, but right now it's Obi-Wan and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, Mandalorian season two was pretty good. Book of Fett was okay. Um, this though, this has been the pinnacle so far of things dropped on Disney plus this year. I think. No, I agree. It doesn't get any better than this. You a Stranger Things guy? I haven't watched it yet, but I am a Stranger Things guy. Oh man! So have you been trying to avoid all the all the yeah. spoilers? Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about it. Really? Mm-hmm. That's that's impressive because it is hard to do, yeah, especially that first week it drops. Yeah, I don't know anything that's happened. I've all I know is that it's scary. It's a lot darker. Yeah. Um. It's definitely going to be worth a watch. I would I would tear into that probably after watching Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I think you've got the time to be able to do both because Volume 2 drops July 1st, I think, if I remember correctly, of right, Season sweet. 4. So you actually have a chance to be able to kind of blow through yeah, yeah. Stranger Things and then jump right into the next season. Mm-hmm here within the next few months but we're gonna put a bow on the show get you ready for the post up as the nba finals we've got some college basketball news that's coming down the pipe lots of transfers and the portal who's made themselves better what are we looking at in Mm -hmm. terms of college basketball next year i'll tell you this this morning i was sitting in my um bathroom getting ready for the show i started thinking about the final four this past season because i was reminiscing about you know our show that we did for the sweet 16 when it was here in san antonio down at pinkerton's barbecue mm-hmm. right yeah down at hoop blast. city it was a lot of fun oh yeah i remember the u of h villanova game and i was trying to remember the final four in its entirety mm-hmm. i remember two teams and they're the two teams that were knocked out in the final four i can't remember the final four or the the championship game. I can't remember who played each other or who even won the title already. And we talked about how great of a of a final four that was. And I'm having such a rough time remembering it. Well, it was Houston, North Carolina, 
is North Carolina Duke, right? Villanova. Yeah. And, and it wasn't um, Houston. Houston. No, it was Kansas. Final. It was Kansas, Kansas, Nova, Duke, North Carolina. And it yeah. was Kansas, North Carolina in the final. Mm-hmm. Okay. And both uh, of those teams have, well, North Carolina is bringing back everybody. Yeah. It was just, I had such a tough time remembering who, who was in the finals. And I, I, for the life of me, couldn't understand it because we we talked about how great of a Final Four it was. And the fact that I can only remember two teams and the fact that Villanova was kind of went down easily because of the injury that had happened previously to get to the Final Four mm-hmm. in, in the f- closing minutes of that Elite Eight game. Yeah. I, I just I couldn't remember it for whatever reason. And it bothered me. Mm-hmm. I knew you'd remember. Yeah. It's what I do. It's just for for the life of me, I just couldn't, and I don't know why. Because it was a especially Duke, North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> like that was it. That was it. That's gonna be another great college basketball season, man. We had so many players at the deadline go back. Drew Timmy back at Gonzaga mm-hmm. again. Good for him. Oh yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Definitely. I'm sure we'll get into more of it in the post up here in about 15 minutes. But first, we're going to come back, put a bow on the show, get you ready for game two of the NBA Finals, and take a look across OTAs in the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys are in full action, and Micah Parsons had some pretty bold words to say as he gets ready for the upcoming season. Our NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year throwing down the gauntlet against a teammate. We'll talk about it next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star ESPN AM 1250 and now on 941 FM. Welcome back into your hangover without the headache. That's right. We are the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, and now on 94.1 FM. He is Jack Thompson. I am James Pledger. Rudy J from R&R in the morning calling me out, as he should. He said 1033 twice now. Come on, Jack Thompson. Make him wear the turnover chain. You're right. I did. I take full responsibility. That's on me. We are now on this beautiful Bold, crisp, rich-sounding 94.1 FM. You can catch us there. Flip us over. 103.3 is going away in, I don't know, sometime soon. We're there currently. Like a month, I think. Probably, maybe. I don't know. Just forget about 103.3. Mm-hmm. It's not there. It is That's there. That's your preset. But 941. go to 94.1. 94.1 sounds immaculate. It sounds so good. It sounds so much better. Like, the bump music, everything just sounds so much Yeah, it sounds so good. Micah Parsons and uh, Tank Lawrence are getting into a little bit of friendly friendly fire. I love it. Tank comes out and said he wants to be the sack leader again. I let a rookie show me up last year. Parsons says, sorry to tell him, it's never good. Getting back to that. If he's going to be a 10 set guy, I'm going for 20. God, I love that. I love that. I love it too. I I enjoy it. 
but would that be bad for the Cowboys? Why would that be bad? In terms of DeMarcus Lawrence is your every down defensive end pass rusher, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He, he is on every passing play. He is moving forward no matter what, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. At best, Micah Parsons is 60%. He's a linebacker. Mm-hmm. He's a linebacker that rushes the quarterback at times. Yeah. Wouldn't it behoove the Cowboys for the guy that's always rushing the passer to be the better of the two pass rushers? Well, I think that he is the better, and that's why Micah gets so many sacks is because Tank is taking that constant double. Now it might swing the other way. And Micah gets a lot more doubles and Tank gets some, you know, one-on-ones and then it kind of balances out. I, I like the... Micah also gets... A, he gets several... He got several sacks coming from the linebacker spot, too. Mm-hmm. And so remember, Tank was hurt for a good part of the year last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that helped to open open things up for Micah who played the full year to yeah, yeah. actually have more opportunities, mm-hmm. especially when he rushed the passer more and he probably would with tank out. Yeah. I just think it is detrimental for a guy who doesn't rush all the time to be more productive than the guy that does, especially when pro football focus shows those doubles aren't coming as much as they used to. And his production isn't as great as it used to be. We've seen him take steps backwards in recent years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that's due to injury and, and you know, age and mm-hmm. other things that go on, which is one of the reasons he was an actual candidate to be released this offseason to end up saving money. And t- instead, it turned out to be Amari Cooper, mm-hmm. not Demarcus Lawrence, that ended up getting that as tank ended up restructuring his deal Mm -hmm. spreading that money out over a couple of years for them i would like to see him be the tank that he was but we haven't really seen that tank since he signed that extension Mm -hmm. but i do believe if he goes back to being that guy and being more productive Mm -hmm. and commanding more attention yeah yeah actually getting more pressure that it's greater for the success of this defense all around. I agree for sure. And I'm excited to see a, a healthy tank and a healthy Micah both line up at, you know, pass rush. That's going to be tough to stop. Yeah. I just, in terms of as great as Micah Parsons is, mm-hmm. I would prefer tank to be the dominant rusher in terms of, it only helps everything else out. If Micah's the more dominant rusher, I don't know if it helps out the same way as if Tank is more dominant just because of the pre- of the attention that Tank can command because, like I said, Micah's not always rushing, so when he's not rushing, Who's, that attention yeah. isn't always going to be focused That's on fair. him. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Tank definitely needs to show out. And, uh, you know, show who he, he used to be a couple seasons ago, why we signed him to that big deal. Because I don't think you can expect what you got from Trayvon Diggs for a second season. Pro- yeah, I mean, getting that many picks again is going to be... It's unsustainable. Yeah. <laughs> but what can be... I mean, 
But the good thing is he got so many picks, and yet there's still a lot of holes in his coverage technique. So he can get a lot better. Still, there's True. still a lot of hole, a lot more room to grow for for Diggs. I I see it as what I want. What I want to see between Mike and Tank is it being kind of like a game by game basis. Mm-hmm. Like who's gonna who's gonna dominate on this game? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like last year. It was like. All right, how many sacks is Micah? When's Micah sack coming this game? When is he going to get there? When is he going to get there? I want it to be like a double thing. Like mm-hmm. who's who's going to get Which there? Which one's getting there first? Yeah, who's getting there first this game, and who's going to continue to dominate? That's I think that's what this really is going to breed, and I can't wait to see that. He is Jack Thompson. Follow him on Twitter at Jack underscore Thompson 33. I am at I am Pledger. You've been locked into the Saturday morning hangover right here on the all new 94.1 FM. Go ahead. Just put that in your presets. That's the station you need to worry about. We're also on 1250 if you need us. But 94.1 FM. We, we got this whole new, brand new, beautiful sounding signal. Go find it. Listen to us there. Because coming up next, we got everything hoops for you on the post up. Right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 94.1 FM.